I'm joined by John Gizeski, who is a homeopath and a specialist in nutrition. And I had the um, pleasure of uh, sitting in the audience when John was talking uh, last week, was it, John, last Saturday? I think it was about a week ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, a slot came up. I'm actually booked two months in advance for these shows now, which is pretty awesome. I've only been doing them a few months. And um, you can't get live in the studio unless you go on a, basically a two-month waiting list. And a slot came up, just short notice, and you happened to be available. So welcome. Great to have you in the studio. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. And thank you for coming up from sunny Nottingham. So, um, homeopath and nutritionist, um, which came first? The homeopath, well, to be honest, it, it was more nutrition that interests me to start with, but my brother's a homeopath and he encouraged me to do a homeopathic course. I did a four-year course back in the early 90s and became a qualified homeopath and set up a practice, but my passion is always, has always been nutrition. So, and homeopathy is very much geared to trying to correct problems, whereas nutrition is preventative as much as trying to correct problems. So I love it, absolutely. I think it's uh, awesome. And you've even got your own college in it, haven't you, John? That's right, the College of Living Nutrition, which has been up and running for five years now. So we've got uh, students that started five years ago that are still progressing through the, the course. You do actually qualify after the first year, but... Uh, you can do postgrad courses, and that's what we, that's what we do. We specialise in more and more advanced work on nutrition. So, do they qualify as a homeopath or a nutritionist? On, on the no, course? they qualify as a living nutritionist. Li- and the, the, the living is important. Because okay, explain. Yeah, we're not we're not dealing with pills and trying to handle symptoms. What we're dealing with is the root cause, finding the root cause, and doing whatever it takes to remove that root cause. A simple example of something like a root cause would be if you had a, say, uh, if you had an injury in the leg, if you had a thorn stuck in your leg, you, you wouldn't just take a pill for the symptom. You'd say, hang on a bit, we've got, we've got a needle stuck in the leg, let's remove it, or a thorn stuck in the leg, let's remove it. And that's the only way it's going to get really healed and cured. So we always look for the root cause and encourage people to start dealing with the root cause issues. How can people find a root cause of the problem? How how do you get to the bottom? Because sometimes people just feel a bit sort of yuck, um, but they can't put their finger on what's wrong. So how do you help them get to that root root cause? Well, this this is the key thing about about the college and the reason why I set it up, because I've done lots and lots of courses both in nutrition over the years, in America, in Britain, in Germany, uh, where all these things are, are massive. And I also did the course in, in homeopathy and then started in practice. And what I realised was that even though I've met many, many great teachers, the the results that I saw coming through the clinics that I attended were not spectacular. They were good, but they weren't spectacular. And what I realised that I, I had to start from scratch with all of this, and I follow a very simple process, which is I, a client will come into the office, and I will sit with the client, and say, "What symptoms do you have? What problems do you have?" They list all their problems or problems, and then I ask a very simple question: "Okay, when did it start?" And the second question is, "What changed?" And I write that down without any prejudice. And just say, okay, so that changed. Right, I'll write that down. And when you do that for a few thousand cases, you begin to see a pattern emerge. And I realised that what I was observing was not what I was taught at any nutrition college. It wasn't what I was taught at any any college of homeopathy. It wasn't taught at any seminar that I went to. It was all brand new information. It was very. It was quite not shocking it was it was quite a revelation so I thought you know what I need to set up a college and uh, pass on this this information and teach people how to take a case properly brilliant so um, by talking to people basically you get you get to the root of when things changed for them and and quite often you're finding then that that's when their symptoms started when it when some sort of change would it be like a life life event a life shock of some sort well exactly so for example a you you might have a child who who comes in with a skin problem 
and the skin problem, say it's eczema, and the mother said, I said, well, what, what do you think the root cause is? And they said, oh, I have no idea, you know, can, can we just heal it up? Now, you could start on the skin creams and all of that, but I said, well, when did it start? And they, they might say it started uh, a year ago. And I say, well, what changed? And we go through it and we find that suddenly they started eating a lot of dairy. Mm. Yeah. And that sparked it off. The dreaded dairy. The dreaded dairy. So, you know, we, we're always looking at what's, what sparked things off, what changed at the time. This this is not a new technique. It is in, it, it appears to be new in, in medicine because they're all, people are always chasing symptoms. But it's not new. In uh, My original degree was in computer science. And if a computer goes down, you always look at what changed, what what did somebody do to that system for it to, you know, to crash? Whether it's a payroll system or whatever, you, you'd always look at what changes took place because computers these days don't really crash unless somebody changes something. And it, I was using that same simple approach with with human beings, and it was very very revealing. It's also similar lines to the classical homeopathy. I know there's lots of different types of homeopathy these days, but a friend of mine is a classical homeopath um, in Germany. Uh, she's German, and and, yeah. and um, she goes to the nth degree. The questions, I mean, you, you know, it goes on and on and on and on, but it always gets. She always gets to the root of the problem. And um, it's, it's amazing how it's, it's really common sense when you think about it, isn't it? It is, and the. The, the, the questionnaires that I used were quite extensive, in, in the, probably in the same way that you just described. So, uh, because when I started out, I, I thought, well, it, it could be anything. Let's just start with a blank slate. Let's find out what it might be. And so I was drilling people with these questions. You know, well, did this change? Did that change? Did da 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 da? And um, you know, fifty questions later, literally, um, they said, oh yeah, this changed. And so I didn't want to exclude things. And the, the revelations that came out of that were of enormous benefit because then you, can't, you cannot always undo a change. So, for example, if somebody, um, yeah, this guy came to see me, he had a leg swelling, and I said, well, what, what changed? And he said, well, I did have a chest infection, but I often get them. And, and I went to see a doctor, and he prescribed very strong antibiotics. And then very, you know, within a few hours or days, you know, the following few days, it, I started, my leg started to swell, and he had fluid on, on, on his leg. And unfortunately, it, it, that, that antibiotic that was prescribed was so strong that it caused some kind of internal damage that was very difficult to then repair and he had to go back to the hospital and explain the situation and and he he needed a stent putting into his body to drain the fluid off Good which was, you know so you, you you can't always then go and fix things so that so the other aspect that I'm very interested in is trying to prevent anything from happening in the first place which is not easy because if people are well, they just think they're invincible. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, you hear about you know, the 98-year-old woman that smoked and drunk all her life and perfectly fine, but they don't come up very often, do they, those sort of people? Well, no. I, my, my speciality is statistics, and I, I think I'd make a very good life insurance salesman because if, if people tell me what's going off, I can normally have a rough idea of how long they've got left. And it's... You know, it's it's a it's a science. It's very few people survive the onslaught of smoking and drinking heavily, for example. Very few. And uh, my my other speciality is in an alkaline diet. If people switch switch to, well, if if they're on a diet which is junk food based, they they will they will it will cause problems in the long term. Let's talk about uh, dairy and the alkaline diet shortly. Let's just have some music. This is uh, This Girl Is On Fire by Alicia Keys. That's a great song and it's a bit cheeky. I actually played that for me because I am actually on fire at the moment. I've had all sorts of um, stuff happen in the last few weeks. It's been really quite difficult, but uh, I'm back now and... um, I'm on fire. So many things are happening to me at the moment, which is uh, really positive. I've got um, a health retreat coming up the end of March. I've got my Perfect 10 Wellness Programme that's uh, in full flow, and I'm writing another book, so it's, it's dead exciting. Um, joined in the studio by John Jaseski, who is a homeopath and nutritionist, and we were just talking about the alkaline state of our body, and we, we sort of 
um, jeered at dairy. Lots of people think I'm completely bonkers because I avoid dairy. So um, please tell everybody that I'm not mad, John. Why do I avoid dairy? Well, I'm, I'm talking from experience here because so many people have been into the clinic who basically have got issues. When they stop dairy, the issues go away. So the, my, my first-hand experience of the, the dangers of going down the dairy route are very real and uh, they're not insignificant in terms of numbers. So I'm coming from, from that angle to start with. So I, I like to observe things and see what, what, what damage it does in the first place before launching into finding out more about the theoretical part, you know, like looking at studies and things like that. One of the big myths about dairy is that it, it builds bones, but the studies that I've read, the, the major studies, uh, it clearly indicate that actually it causes bone problems. It doesn't solve any any problems at yep. all. So, um, yeah, and I also do a lot of food sensitivity tests in the clinic. And guess what comes up? <laughs> uh, people, so many people have got IgG um, <clears throat> responses so that's where the, the uh, immune system does not like dairy and it, co- it shows up on the blood test that we do in the clinic so so many people get that and uh, I just say avoid it like the plague um, I get sick of hearing myself say this about cow's milk um, let's hear it from, from an expert why, why should people avoid cow's milk the, the the body does not like cow's milk. The, the proteins are uh, well. They, let's start at the at the basics uh, with the basic symptoms that you might get. We get so many skin problems with people who drink a lot of dairy. So that's the first problem. The second problem is you get hormonal issues. It upsets the hormones, and people don't. You know, you could get polycystic ovaries. You could get you could get uh, period problems, more period pain, and all, all of that. And then you start looking at the the deeper symptoms, and the any any kind of animal produce like like milk. I mean, that's the worst offender. When well, if you if you read a big study like the the China study, what they picked up on was as people switched to a dairy diet from a plant plant based diet, we got all sorts of issues arising, and the the worst one of which was the epidemic in cancer. So they, the China study was uh, a fantastic study that was done with literally millions of people participating in that they analysed the statistics and the, the health um, statistics of whole chunks of China, big cities, big, big urban areas, big uh, rural areas in China. And they realised that as people... This was, this was back in the uh, 90s, a uh, long time ago, but... They realised that as people switched from a from a, a vegan diet, basically, to a dairy-based diet, the cancer rate started to rise massively. And so for that reason, I would also be very weary of uh, drinking milk. So it's everything, all the way up to cancer, all the way down to skin problems and rashes and uh, hormonal issues and me- messing with the mind. So why would you want to do it, is my question. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very acidic, isn't it? And mucus forming. It's very acidic and very mucus forming. Yeah, we we've got a simple list of acid and alkaline foods, and the the, the milk is kind of graded. The worst kind of milk is non-organic, so it's full of all sorts of things like antibiotics, and um, you know they fatten up. the the cows with antibiotics and do all sorts of crazy things Uh, they treat them with antibiotics that gets into the the cow's milk but also uh, if if it's not organic you 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 get all sorts of things in there you know it's it's it's, uh that's the big problem one of the big problems but moving away from that issue you, you you got the next big issue which is the proteins uh, in the milk, just don't agree with people. I mean, I'll give you an example. I I thought, well, maybe if I go to a, a slightly more alkaline milk, so that would be the whole milk. That would be that would be uh, organic. I could try that, and uh, it, I, I got a skin rash straight away. I, it was terrible, so I had to come off it. It's, it's, it doesn't matter what kind of milk it is, none of it will agree with you, but there are grades where it gets worse and worse, like the, the pasteurised, non-organic. Uh, but then, you know, I did raw, organic, amazing milk, as it was described to me, and I still didn't 
do well on it personally and I still recommend that people stay away from it. Well, cow's milk's meant for cows, isn't it? I mean, you see how quickly a cow grows with the IGF. Uh, it's IGF growth factor one, isn't it? Yeah. That um, makes cows you know, huge quickly. Absolutely. It's not for humans, is it? Definitely not, yeah. And if you look at the structure of the proteins, they are completely different. They're, they're much larger and um, in cow's milk. And they, like you say, they, they, they boost growth enormously. And the, the <clears throat> what you don't want to do these days is, is exaggerate any growth situation because of the epidemic of cancer that yeah. we've got. So if you've got cancer in you and you're drinking cow's milk, well, you know, good luck. Yeah, you, 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 you are definitely causing massive potential further issues and uh, an exacerbation of the the situation that you you've got got yourself into in the first place so yeah okay let's uh, have some music and we'll talk about uh, nutrition what people can do apart from avoiding dairy uh, which is cheese as well of course um what people can do to um keep themselves well so uh, let's have a bit more music so something weird's going on in the studio this afternoon. Don't know what's happening. Some people can hear us, some people can't. So um, that's uh, that was Dire Straits and a few oldies before then. Uh, I'm joined in the studio with John Jazeski from Nottingham, who is a homeopath and a nutritionist. And we were talking about dairy and the fact that uh, dairy is very acidic and mucus forming. So um, it's to be avoided, uh, ideally. So... Um, We've got a number of things that we can do, John, aren't there, to to help us to keep well. And uh, that's why you trained in nutrition specifically. So let's let's, um, talk about some top tips on how people can can keep well. Yeah, it's not just about the nutrition, but that comes first. When I I first started my practice, I tried to take symptoms, prescribe homeopathic remedies, for example, and maybe some some nutrition as well and in in the hope that these symptoms might improve but i realized that really it's it was it, it did work for some people it didn't work for others it was a bit of a uh, bit of a gamble as to which way it would go therefore i decided to do something more drastic and that's get people to actually change their diets and this was nothing that was taught on my courses in in the, the in, uh, the, when in the early 90s it was uh, very much chase symptoms type approach but when people change their diet uh, so to let's say to a more alkaline diet a lot of things just magically clear up well not magically I mean it's hard it's, it's not hard work but it's because it's easier to eat alkaline food than any other food but when people switch to an alkaline diet their symptoms vanish or a lot of them do uh, and I was getting sort of 95% success rate. There are still some stubborn situations where things wouldn't improve, but everything from skin conditions and uh, lung problems right through to uh, some pretty serious ailments. For example, people with heart issues, If when you switch to an alkaline diet, your cholesterol drops, your blood pressure normalises, and a whole bunch of other things happen which which contribute to your recovery. Diabetes, I I, I treated people with type 2 diabetes, which is to do with um, their diet and their lifestyle. And when they switched to an alkaline diet, lo and behold, they they didn't need their metformin and other drugs uh, within a very short space of time, once they got their head around it. And things, because it's a low-sugar diet, super low-sugar, we, we, they do have um, sweeteners, but it's always it's not it's not the normal sweeteners like uh, um, you know uh, I can't think of any sweet eggs, but uh, we have things like stevia and uh, a few other things that are very low glycemic. The key thing is low glycemic, and not only does that improve the diabetic situation, and it, it's, it's preventative as well, so it doesn't wear, it seem to wear out the pancreas. The pancreas seems to be nice and relaxed and doesn't get, you don't get into a situation where you, you're not well. So the other, the other great thing about the alkaline diet, because it's low sugar, it's low grain, it, it actually heals people from gut problems. It also heals people with something like acne so if you well you might observe already but i've i've read some statistics that 
about 80% of young people now have acne and certainly I, I agree with that I, I observe people when I'm walking down the street and if they're young then usually they've got some kind of makeup on or yeah, when, when I'm talking about teenagers now uh, they've got some kind of makeup on to hide all the acne well if you if you cut out the sugar cut out the dairy lo and behold you'll get to the root cause the problem is that people with acne will, will be taking things like antibiotics that's a standard prescription and then that causes gut problems, so you end up in a in a spiral, a down, a, you know, it's a downward spiral, uh, which is very difficult to get out of. If if you, you know, because once you've damaged the gut, how do you get it back? You need to go and see somebody with, with some nutritional experience to encourage you to uh, uh, get, get back to a good state of health with the gut. So, so you mentioned low GI, which is yeah. a glycemic index, and you mentioned alkaline and. Yeah. A while ago, low GI uh, diets were all the rage, weren't they? And we had, we were hearing this all over the place. So, are you saying that low glycemic is low sugar? What I'm saying is it's low sugar, but people confuse it because it's low, what will raise your blood sugars is everything from potatoes. That's any kind of potatoes, chips. Uh, it would be any grains like pasta pizza that will raise your blood sugars and bread so if you eat if you, you can have a nice bowl of soup and then stuff yourself full of bread and you, you you'll find that your blood sugars are going sky high and that's the recipe for complete catastrophe because your blood sugars need to stay low and you, i bought a monitor a couple of years ago which is a plugging monitor and it monitors your blood sugar continuously so I could click a button and find out what my blood sugars were. It's a plug-in device. It was fantastic. Just you know, I wore it for two weeks. It clipped onto my skin and it measures uh, very accurately uh, with a little tiny probe into your bloodstream. It measures your blood sugars at any one point in time. And when I stick to an alkaline diet, it, it the blood sugars are amazing. 4.4 is standard and then it might creep up to a 6, 6.5, which is not a lot. And then very quickly it will come down. Um, well, not very quickly, over a couple of hours it will come down. And then it goes back to 4.4. And, and that's the way that life should be because uh, there, are, there are hidden problems when blood sugars start to increase above 7. And all you need to do is eat a pizza or bread or have some sugar or chocolate and your blood sugars will increase. They'll go up to 9, 10 possibly, but certainly above 7. And you've got another major issue then, which is anxiety. As uh, The way the body works is that your blood sugars go up, your pancreas will then panic, it will release tons of insulin, and you'll get a massive surge of insulin in the blood, which drives the blood sugars down very quickly. And as they fall your mental state will change. You will go into anxiety. And I was talking to a psychiatrist in, uh, who became a nutritionist in, in L.A. of all places, with a fantastic place for vegan restaurants and um, super healthy uh, tonic bars. Uh, so I had a great time over there, and I met uh, at a conference. Uh, one of the speakers I had a chat with, and she was saying, look, the probably 70% uh, of my anxiety cases uh, is purely down to blood sugars going down to you know, eating the wrong food, pushing blood sugars up too high and then them coming down too quickly and that causes anxiety so rather than doing years of counselling to get over your anxiety, I think that's the first port of call for anybody and if, you, if your anxiety clears up great <laughs> so that's, that's, that's one of the hot tips um, of the day to not eat anything that's going to mess with your blood sugars you can actually buy devices from boots for 15 quid and you can test your blood sugars uh, and i'm all for prevention and if that you, you might get a fright if it goes above seven it goes up to eight nine you should be frightened not only will you, you get anxiety problems but you also get other issues so the worst thing for putting on weight is the uh, if, you, if you get into what's called insulin resistance, that's where you basically blood sugars go too high and you're pumping out way too much insulin, and the insulin is then causing huge problems because you, your body becomes resistant to it. As soon as you get insulin resistance, there's a knock-on effect where you start piling on the pounds. So you want to get well away from insulin resistance, and the way to do that is to have minimal insulin 
And on an alkaline diet, you're not eating anything like that. You're not eating anything that's going to push your blood sugars up too high. So, what, yeah. What foods are alkaline then, John? What, what, what can people... Well, the major. Do, where, where can they find a list of the alkaline foods? Yeah, you can you can find it on my website, which is, I've got I've got I've got two websites. One's called www.college-living-nutrition.co.uk. Um, that that's all about the trainings and the courses. Uh, the next one's starting in Bromsgrove, by the way, um, which is a practitioner course. And that's nine, nine weekends. Uh, throughout the year through to December that's that's starting uh, in Bromsgrove near Birmingham in the middle of March and then we run a course from September um, from London from from Regents University so th- that's the website that describes all the courses and seminars we've got another website called feel good uh, spelt ph as in a play on the words for alkalinity so it's www.feelgood spelt p h e e l g o d alkalinehealth.co.uk so that's www.feelgoodalkalinehealth.co.uk and if you click on links in the top right hand corner you can download the full list of acid and alkaline foods and the diet is so simple all you do is eat as much food as you want and as frequently as you want with with, um, as long as it's alkaline so and the major food sources would be all the raw foods like vegetables and salads and some fruits but you have to be careful with fruits a lot of them are too high in sugar so you must must when you do juice i'm a big fan of juicing but i wouldn't recommend juicing fruits i would juice salady things like cucumber celery lemons limes grapefruits okay these are all low sugar and put in you know things like um turmeric if you can get your hands on that and uh put i'd put some maybe some wheatgrass uh powder in there just to make it super alkaline to make it super dark green you put cabbage through there you put you put uh, celery you put um i had ginger to mine ginger ginger, ginger yeah. fantastic yeah um beetroot i put put raw beetroot through and these the carrots uh, yeah, any vegetables really. Uh, the only ones to watch out for are, are green beans of various kinds. Um, I've had had a few people put green beans through raw, and you can get a bit sick on those. So ignore, cu- cut out any green beans, string beans, and green beans. You can't really get much juice out of a bean anyway, can you really? No, you can't. No, so <laughs> you, you won't be missing out on much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Um, I asked guests to choose two songs. Um, this is the first of yours, and it's um, a particular uh, uh, anonymous masked session by Bob Dylan, and you've chosen the track Angelina. Why did you choose this one, John? Well, I, I was born in the 50s, and and uh, life was pretty dull until Bob Dylan came along. <laughs> I remember. And everything changed. <laughs> He was a poet, he was a musician, and I, I just happened to like his voice. Brilliant. This is yeah. a nice track. I've, I've, I heard this when I, um, when I located it for you. So this is Angelina by Bob Dylan. It's a, quite a short track, actually, but it's, it's beautiful. Apparently <clears throat> that uh, lovely uh, Bob Dylan track should have had singing on it, but uh, for some reason it was just the musical version. But it's very, it's very nice. I'll have to... Uh, Find uh, find another version for you, John. Yeah. So uh, there we go. And we also <clears throat> established that your the link on your website's not working. So feel good, uh, alkalinehealth.co.uk. Currently, the link isn't working. So if you email John, he'll be able to send you um, the list while his um, site is under under repair. So so what's the email address, John? Uh, I'll spell it out. John J O H N dot Jezefsky J E Z E-W-S-K-I at Outlook.com. So if you send me an email, I'll, I'll just return with a, an attachment. If you let me know that you want the uh, list of acid alkaline foods, I'll, I'll reply with an attachment. Brilliant. Whilst okay. we're getting everything repaired. Fantastic. Uh, so the, that's John... Dot J-E-Z-E-W-S-K-I at Outlook.com. Thank you, Okay. 
Um, so you've mentioned the vegetables for juicing, <coughs> yeah. um, which, are, which are alkaline. Um, what other types of food can people eat? The, you, you, you can eat pulses. So it's, it's, it's basically a vegan diet, anything that's vegan. But you must, it's, it's, it's like an upgraded vegan diet. So you would exclude or replace certain foods. So vegans tend to eat a lot of sugar. You wouldn't do that. And in place of that, you you might have um, uh, some berries. Today I had some berries with some coconut uh, yogurt, and I, I put put some stevia on there, which is a great sweetener. I had so raspberries. I had blueberries, raspberries, cacao nibs, and yeah. coconut yogurt. No need for stevia with that. It's sweet no, enough for my palate. No, quite. I mean, some people do like. Uh, sweeteners and and you, uh, what you can do is like I say switch out the sugar for something like stevia or yakon that's really, that's delicious as well. With other things that you can do so it's a vegan diet but instead of having wheat you would have things like spelt or buckwheat. So the Japanese have uh, a beautiful buckwheat uh, noodles, fantastic. Um, so you could switch that. You could switch switch over to buckwheat noodles, uh, spelt. <coughs> spelt <coughs> is an old grain, isn't it? It's a very old, um, original, <coughs> uh, ancient grain. That's right, and it's it's much lower in gluten. So, and it's a different type of gluten. So I find that I can tolerate that without too much difficulty. But it is an ancient grain, as opposed to what's called the, the Durham wheat that most people eat is a hybridised wheat, which it's not. It's not GMO. It's hybridised. So farmers have basically uh, grown it and made, made changes to it, and um, using hybridisation techniques. But that is um, uh, not to be recommended. The gluten's not good, and it can impact the gut. So. Uh, instead of rice, rice is quite, it's, it's a little bit acidic because it messes with the blood sugars. So instead of rice, you could have uh, amaranth, you could have millet, or um, what's the other thing? Buckwheat, buckwheat, uh, grain, groats, groat, grains, yeah, sometimes have that. And um, what's the other major one? Millet. Oh, it's gone. There's uh, um, that, that stuff that's really tiny. Um, quinoa, quinoa. Quinoa, that's, that's it. I want to say yeah, couscous, that. but it's not couscous. It's yeah. got gluten in it, hasn't it? But quinoa is okay. Quinoa is okay, around, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And the sort of things I have is, I mean, it's normal food in, the, in a way. I have a delicious curry, but it's vegetarian mm. curry. Yeah. Spices are good. Herbs are good. All the flavourings are amazing. Tomatoes are fine. So you can have anything. You can, have, you can make tomato sauce. You can make tomato soup. You've got all the wide range of juices that you can have every day um this morning i had some quinoa pops with um some uh what was it buckwheat pops mixed in with some spelt flakes this is all pure stuff it's all organic and then had hemp milk so that's just hemp seeds blended with a little bit of water and had that little bit of stevia had some organic figs that i chopped up uh, threw in the mix and then put some tonic herbs in. So I'm a big fan. And what we teach on the courses is how to use the tonic herbs. What do you mean by a tonic herb? What's the difference between a tonic herb and, a, and an ordinary herb? Yeah, an ordinary herb typically are known as medicinal herbs. And the problem with medicinal herbs is that you have to know exactly what you're doing in the first place. And secondly, if you use it intensively for more than like two weeks or two or three weeks, it, it can turn against you. Your body can react to it. A tonic herb is very different. The characteristics of a tonic herb is like a food which builds up its power. It's like a superfood. So if, for example, you take eucomia, spelled E-U-C-O-M-M-I-A, every day, it rebuilds the infrastructure from the muscles, the tissues, the bones. It's like a rebuilder, but you have to take it every day and it builds up its action. It's totally adaptogenic, so whatever it doesn't need, it discards. The body will discard it, so it works. It's in tune with the body. These are a different kettle of fish. This is a higher grade of herb in that... Uh, they've got those qualities of adaptog- they're adaptogenic and they are, are are good over long-term use. Can you spell that again, John? The yeah. Eucomia. E-U-C-O-M-M-I-A. 
Okay, I did write it down right. Yeah. Um, I think I need to get some of that. I've actually got compound fractures in my spine at the moment. Right. I've got several discs with fractures okay. in, so I need yeah. to build up my bone um, bone health. So, Eucomia, I shall be uh, ordering that from your shop. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, yeah, we've got we've got things like Romania, which are fantastic in, in the, for stress because it it replenishes the adrenals. So Romania, spelled R-E-H-M-A-N-N-I-A. I take that every day. All you need is a quarter of a teaspoon a day and mix it with a little bit of warm water, drink it. It's like a little shot. It's Rather, rather than having a, a shot of coffee, what's that called? Uh, uh, the caffeine. Yeah, with all the caffeine. What? The, the French have little shots of coffee. Oh, the coffee. espresso. Espresso. Instead of having an espresso, just have a Romania. <laughs> do you a world of good. And uh, you know, there's no caffeine in there. It's it's not a stimulant. It's a it's a regenerator and an energizer without stimulation. Right, and all this is available in your shop, which is um, on yeah. the feelgoodalkalinehealth.co.uk. It's all website. available there. Um, it, it's it's such a fast growing kind of area that um, over the past five years we've been so busy that half the stuff that I've got in the shop that I take with me on the road when I do seminars and retreats uh, isn't actually on the website yet because I haven't had the, the time to put it on there. Oh, um, so if any, you know, if, if, it, if, if I'm talking about something you do, and you can't find it on the website, just email me and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll put it on the website. as a you know, Just send me a request and I'll put it up there. You need a 10-year-old who's a dab hand at computers. They'll, they'll crack it in no time, John. <laughs> I know. I, th- I need to get my assistant trained up to uh, get, get the website sorted out as well as everything else. Brilliant. Yeah. OK, let's have a bit of Ed Sheeran. You're listening to Perfect Health on Elastic FM with Elaine Godley and I'm joined in the studio by John Jezeski, who is a homeopath and nutritionist. And we've been talking about uh, diet and... Um, uh, avoiding dairy, eating alkaline foods, juicing, and um, we were talking about bones just now. That the fact I've got these uh, bone fractures and I need to um, improve my bone health. But there's a, there's a lot of myth and misunderstanding about bones and calcium, isn't there, John? Absolutely, yeah. So the the the, the big issue, the big problem is that doctors and most most people actually consider calcium as the the great savior but all the research indicates that by taking calcium any kind of calcium supplement you're heading for trouble and not there have been heart studies done where people on calcium supplements suffer heart disease and in my experience what i've realized is that people that take calcium supplements are are creating a problem for themselves because it's, it's, it's what I call bad calcium. The only kind of calcium that I would put into my body is the, the stuff that's, that's in uh, plant food because that is converted into a form that the human body can actually take. The rest of it is a derivative of calcium carbonate, which is chalk, and you really won't do yourself any good by eating chalk out of the ground. People think that by eating chalk it will strengthen their bones, but it does the opposite. It actually clogs you up and causes arthritic and osteoarthritic problems with the dumping of calcium, which is quite quite heavy-duty sharp. If you you have a look at the calcium deposits in in my water supply, which... um, uh, I only drink distilled water. I try try to only dis- drink distilled water, apart from when I'm on the road. So at home, I drink distilled water, which is basically four. It produces four liters of water. It takes four hours, and it, you put it in a, in a machine. You, you put four liters of normal tap water in there. Press the button, and it can it boils. It doesn't boil it. It heats the water up and then condenses it. And you measure the total dissolved solids in the water, and basically all the calcium's gone, as, along with all the other toxins that, that are in the water, like the the, the chlorine and uh, all the other stuff that, that you might find in, in tap water. So you get you're drinking clean water. I then spiralise it to re-energise it. So we get these little spiralizers that spins the water, and then I usually put something in there like a few drops of plasma pH drops to alkalize the water, which is uh, potassium and sodium based uh, alkalizer. But we never put we never put calcium in the water. 
And so if you're drinking bottled water, for example, and I've got my TDS meter out, you realize, and it says it on the bottle, there's tons of calcium in there and it will clog you up. So it's to be avoided. The TDS should be less than 100, which is, you get that from certain spring waters, like Icelandic uh, spring water and glacial water is less than, less than 50 TDS. So what, What's TDS? Total dissolved solids, which is mainly calcium. And that's to be avoided, like the plague, because it will build up and you get all sorts of um, issues and you get clogged up with this sharp horrible very hard calcium and you get all sorts of nodes and nodules it won't do your bones any good uh, if, if you've got any kind of surgery or scar tissue will make that worse because it gravitates to it and so calcium supplements are i wouldn't recommend uh, if you want to build up bones then stick to i'll get i take ionic silica or you can you can get that through drinking nettle juice or nettle tea or uh, you can get it from horsetail, so it's full of silica. Or you can buy ionic silica liquid, which we sell on our website. And you, have, you, you take that along with vitamin D, which uh, uh, you can get from sunlight. So do do get out in the sun. I know there's not much around at the moment, so uh, I've managed to uh, get myself a little holiday in Lanzarote just to get a little boost on the vitamin D front. And so with, with, with those ingredients... You're you're on, you're on a winner along with the magnesium. So I I take magnesium drops. Uh, sometimes I put it on my skin. It's great for joints. For if you've got joint problems and you've got a buildup of calcium, then I I would recommend putting magnesium oil directly onto the skin on the joint, and then use DMSO on top of that, uh, which is a warm sulfur liquid, natural liquid, which you can put on your joints, and it drives the magnesium in there, and, it, and the sulfur and magnesium work wonders for dissolving calcium out of the joints and calming down all, all the inflammation in the joints interesting and then that that works through your skin yeah soaks through the skin yeah directly into the joint with dmso it's quite potent sulfur so i would use it on ex- joints maybe the shoulder the elbows the the wrists the fingers the knees the hips uh, don't put it on uh, you can use it on lower back but don't use it near the neck because it is quite potent some people can feel a bit jittery if they they put the sulfur say on the on the neck or anywhere near the brain so as a safety precaution use the dmso you can water it down actually and, and then you can potentially use it up there but i i use dmso as a preventative as well so it dissolves calcium and build the build-up of bad calcium in the joints and calms inflammation down before it gets off the ground Mm, so much to learn i remember being prescribed many years ago calcium and d3 um supplement from the doctor and it was just literally like a it was a tube full of these um you know giant polo type things and it was just it's like like chalk i mean I, I think i had one i didn't know any different in those days i had one and i threw the rest away but uh, yeah. a lot of older people in particular think oh just because the doctors prescribe it it must be okay yeah but no 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 definitely not um th- there are other sources of bad calcium that get into the body one is nanobacteria and the, the, you have to be very very hygienic so you get it from urine so people excrete nanobacteria and you have to be very careful to keep, make sure, you know, if you go to public toilets or wherever, you make sure you wash your hands and get out of there without con- getting contaminated with nanos. But the other place that you get nanobacteria is on any implements used by the dentist or the doctors for surgery. So and the, the, you know, the, 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 the techniques that are used for cleaning expensive implements do not kill nanobacteria. So you, you know, try and cut down on um, interventions and... Uh, because you, the build-up of nanobacteria, they excrete bad calcium in the body. So, yeah. And nano being teeny-weeny-weeny? Teeny-weeny bacteria that are almost the size of a virus. They're tiny. Um, and they're a, a different breed. I've got lots of pictures of nanobacteria. So um, yeah, they look weird. They look space-like objects like, like out of, from outer space. They're weird. Uh, but they are real and they're, they're, they cause issues. So... Can can you tell when people come to see you, John? Can you tell if they've got viruses or not? Do you do any testing for viruses? Well, I go on symptoms. So if they're suffering, uh, n- normally the doctors will—they're quite good at, at working out what virus you might have had, or 
Um, uh, but people come along with symptoms, like you, you get the normal viral symptoms, runny nose, and then uh, uh, or any any kind of uh, cold symptom. That's a virus. So uh, if you've got that, or uh, if you've got a loss of energy, or you're having to shake off a virus with with fevers and and sweating, then at that, that point you've got a virus but they do sometimes linger you can't the, the immune system doesn't always beat them off completely so some viruses are are uh, stick around for a long time and it's very difficult to shake them off so generally it is known that viruses will increase in number and and as you as you age mm. so I've, I've got a, yeah. a, a special man I go and see down in um, a place called Marshfield between yeah. Bath and Chippenham, and he has a way of testing for viruses. And when I went to him three and a half years ago, I'd got 12, I think it was. Right. Uh, one lady, I said to him, had 28. Yeah. Um, so, and these are, as you say, things that have been hung around, some of them since we're, we're children, that are just lurking around, that, yeah. that don't cause any symptoms as such, but they're there, you know, swimming around in the body. And if you're putting lotions, potions, taking all sorts of things, if you're at one level... Um, doing all the right thing, but if your underlying system is being attacked by viruses the whole time, it's got yeah. you know twice as hard to work, isn't it? Yeah, and the build-up of virus is also linked to cancer as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think it's a fifth of all cancers are related to viruses. Yes. Yeah. So it is. It is a good idea to stay on top of them. A quick hot tip on viruses is loads of vitamin C, but make sure it's the clean vitamin C. Most most of the vitamin C nowadays is ma- manufactured in China. So if you go to Holland and Barrett and buy their regular vitamin C or Boots, then it's a, a synthesised chemical that isn't properly what I call postcoded. What we're looking for is is natural vitamin C. The best one of which is Amla A M L A, which is the Indian gooseberry. And I bought. I, we sell lots of that on our website. People just mix it in with their drinks. It's uh, powder. Uh, the, the, I, we also sell Mega Food Ultra C, which is food state, properly postcoded vitamin C. And uh, some, for for cancer patients, you, you have infusions of uh, you have intravenous uh, infusions of vitamin C as part of the treatments in a lot of clinics around the world. In in the private um, uh, complementary clinics, it's not something the National Health Service offers. Yeah, they? no, it's private. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so vitamin C, but L hyphen lysine is also a great antiviral uh, supplement that you can take. So, and then we we have lots of teas. So, cat's claw tea is is incredibly good for boosting immunity. And we've got lots of adaptogenic tonic herbs. So, cordyceps is excellent. Gynostemma is excellent. And the, these are the things that you can take every day as an antiviral tea. And vitamin C and L lysine. I mean, I take L lysine if I get a virus, if I come down with a cold or something. But vitamin C every day, lots of lemons and limes, and the juice, the juice from lemons and limes on my salads. Uh, I, I have lots of uh, uh, teas, so cat, cat's claw tea at least once a day, or maybe once every two days at, at the very least. Cordyceps, reishi mushrooms which are fantastic for uh, building up immunity and then the gut bacteria so i i always take my probiotics and prebiotics what's the difference <clears throat> the prebiotics are once you've got the bacteria in there in the gut they need feeding so prebiotics are, and the, the best one of which is inulin because it's a it's a really tasty sweet tasting powder so it's inulin, I-N-U-L-I-N. It's relatively cheap. You can get a huge bag for, you know, like a tenner or something. And you just need a spoon of that every day. It's, a, it's great for sleep. So many, many people, uh, as you age, sleep goes downhill. And what you need is, uh, is to help make sure that you've got all the right ingredients for a good night's sleep. So... Less, cut out the blue light, which comes from screens and uh, whether you know phones and laptops, TV. It's the blue light that causes stimulation in the eyes and the brain. So cut that out by having. Well, I, I just bought a pair of blue light reflector shades. Uh, well, 
glasses from the from Amazon, and that that reflects the blue light, uh, but you can still see quite clearly. And uh, I, I've changed all the light bulbs to stop blue light hitting me in in the house in the evening uh, with halogen, so that gives you a very natural daylight type blend. Um, so you don't get a massive amount of blue light from that. So you get you're getting all nice and relaxed, ready for the evening. I then take as you age melatonin, which is the 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 tra- neurotransmitter that helps you go to sleep. That will decline your production through the pineal gland of melatonin will decline. So I would definitely have a. Re- top up with a little bit of melatonin melatonin is not legal you cannot sell it in this country it's illegal you can buy it in america but not in this country but there is a a very simple solution to the problem and that's sour cherry capsules so we sell it's one of our best sellers is the sour cherry capsules and you take one or two or three i don't like the capsule so i break them open and mix a little bit of water with the powder from the capsule you have one or two or three half an hour before you go to bed and it's got melatonin in natural melatonin which is ah, perfectly legal a cunning plan yeah sour cherry capsules yeah and then i mix two drop i put a little drop of magnesium in in the concoction for ready for bed uh mixed with the inulin and the inulin will, will will feed the bacteria at night and they'll produce a certain acid that helps you sleep so that concoction will not knock you out but it will make you it'll help with sleep in a very natural way but you won't wake up groggy it's totally refreshing and it's a total anti-inflammatory as well so it calms down all the inflammation in the body do you have um, any of this instruction on your website or anywhere john well we're not allowed to claim anything on the website so uh if if you but you can order everything from the website the inulin the sour cherry capsules the magnesium drops are all available on the website so if you've listened to this then just yeah go for it cool excellent let's have a bit of uh, kelly clarkson what doesn't kill you makes you stronger well, that was a pretty dismal handover that I just did. I didn't mean to. Uh, I was moving John's record up to uh, to show what uh, you know to get him ready, uh, and I hadn't asked him uh, about why he's chosen that song. So, uh, why did you choose "Lay Down" then from um, whoever it was? Who was it? It was the Straubs. The Straubs. Thank yeah. you. Yes. But basically, when it was back in 1972, 73, I I first heard the Straubs with that song. And it completely changed everything. I became a hippie overnight, and I just love his voice. He was um, uh, a hippie, if you like. And when when that came on, I just loved it. And the interesting thing is that he played recently. So this is this is now seventy three. How many years? Fifty years later, almost. Goodness. He he played in uh, a church hall. Not a church hall. It was a gig in. Uh, uh, Nottingham, just on the outskirts of Nottingham, and he sounds just the same. He hasn't aged at all. And he played that track, and me and my mates, we had it, we had it, we formed a band on the back of this guy. Did you? Uh, yeah, called <laughs> Zen, back in '74. And do you still play? Nah, I, I was a bass player and then gave it up uh, for other things, health mainly. But uh, I did. I really enjoyed being in the band at the time. Brilliant. Yeah, it's Brilliant. fantastic. Can't yeah. beat live music, can you? No, you can't. No, we we loved it. It was it was the best gig I've been to for years. Excellent. Watching the Straubs at the church hall. Fantastic. I used to manage a band at, at one time and uh, doing all the on the circuit. Which band with, was that? Um, it's my um, estranged husband's band. Uh, right. He he was in uh, in, in London. Right. And uh, we we actually had our own venue. We invited. We had people all over the world playing at our venue. It's, it was pretty cool. We did all the festivals in the summer, and um, yeah, Brian's moved up to Nottingham, and he's a really really amazing bass player. He's a six string fretless player. Oh, right, so okay. that's that's serious. You know, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's a serious player. He's really good, and he's um, he's open for lessons. So if anybody needs any bass tuition in the Nottingham area or Nottingham Derby area, then uh, give me a shout. So um, let's get back to health because you need to um, go off shortly. I've got a pre-record that I need to fit in and we've only got just over half an hour to go. I can't remember, can't believe how quickly the, the uh, programme's gone. 
So um, chronic illness, John, talk yeah. about chronic illness. Yeah, I know a lot about chronic illness and uh, my, one of my specialities from a very early age is, is, is looking at death and uh, the, uh, what causes it and anything to do with death and statistics. So I went to Iceland many, many years ago. People were telling me that the full moon um, and, well, the moon, the cycle of the moon will affect health. So I said, right, OK, let's, let's check this out. And I managed, <clears throat> I managed to get, um, uh, in, in Iceland, they're, they're very relaxed with their data, so I managed to get all their data on death for the whole population and worked out, is there a correlation between the moon cycle and death? And there isn't, actually. So uh, there is no there is no correlation. What the moon does is affect your, you emotionally, but it yes, doesn't affect... Yes, yeah, mood, moods um, considerably. It's, it's, it's a mood reconfigurator if you like it, it affects people and there's, there's a reason for that I mean, when i come back i'll explain why it, it changes the way it does but but it doesn't affect health uh, neither does your state of mind in terms of how miserable or how happy you are so there's a recent study done by an oxford professor who did a, a massive uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of people study and they they basically describe whether they were miserable or happy people, and whether you're happy or miserable makes no difference to how long you're going to live. So I I've been researching all the reasons that people die, uh, which indicates longevity. But the frightening thing is that not on my watch because I don't have the purse strings, but on the watch of the NHS, for example, for the first time in history, five years ago the death stats took a turn for the worse because for the first time ever since, you know, we're going back 100 years, since these stats were measured, our average age uh, or our longevity, how long we're going to live for, has declined. So it's gone into reverse gear. And the, the on the back of that, the government have called for a public inquiry because we're spending all this money on the NHS spending tons and tons of money on uh, uh, new research of various kinds. And why has it got into reverse gear? Well, there's a reason. It was published in the Financial Times of all places. The the reason why it's gone into reverse gear is because of this sheer number of drug addicts that we've got in the country. And this has happened across not just Britain, but the whole of Europe and America and the Western world in general. The number of drug addicts has gone sky high. And they are known to die young or they don't live for very long for for fairly obvious reasons and so the but the but, but the big question is why 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 have we got so many more drug addicts why is it skyrocketed why are the numbers increasing so dramatically and again this was a, an article published in the financial times which explained the reason why and the reason why is that Back in the 90s, there was a company, and I can't remember the name, but it was, in, it was in this article in the FT, but it was only about three months ago that I read this. And the number of people that are prescribed opioid drugs has gone, gone up since the 90s. Uh, originally, opioid drugs, which are very addictive... Are, uh, were pre- only prescribed for cancer cases and uh, uh, terminal, terminal illnesses where people are in severe pain. But then the drug company that manufactured them, they got a license on the back of that, that they wouldn't use them for everyday symptoms. Now you get prescriptions for opioids for, for arthritis and a whole bunch of other painful situations. But... The problem is that these these drugs are very very addictive, and so the number of people that have been prescribed and then f- subsequently have become drug addicts account for seventy percent of the current drug addict population. And so, with that that amount of um, drug addicts being well, not not produced, but you know t- turned into drug addicts uh, through prescriptions, is causing the problem where our for the first time in ever in history. Uh, our age of death, uh, the, the, how long we live for, since records began over 100 years ago, has gone into reverse gear. So we're being killed by medication? Well, we're being... We're, people are being given drugs which are highly addictive for the first time, and that is causing addiction problems, and so they then have to get drugs because they're addicted. Mm. 
Uh, we're all being robbed and uh, you know, the crime's going through the roof. It's, the whole situation's out of control. On that note, John, we need to move on because um, the, the show is... We're, we're, we're fast running out of time. Thank you so much for, for coming in the studio this afternoon and you must come back at some stage because we've got loads more to talk about. Oh, definitely. And, uh, it'd Love be lovely to. to have you back. Yeah. Um, the um, uh, where are we doing? The website um, you wanted to remind us of your your course yeah. that's coming up. Yeah, the, 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 we we do a practitioner course. The next one will start in the middle of March. Uh, everybody's welcome if you've got a keen interest in health. It's www.college-living-nutrition.co.uk, and the course lasts for nine weekends. Uh, it's, we've got clinics built in so you become a full-blown practitioner and it's a new career start for a lot of people a lot of people do it for career change some people do it because they just want to improve their own health and that's what we designed we designed we designed a program so we cover every system in the body that's important and how you can re- regenerate yourself and resurrect yourself in terms of health um, improvement so uh yeah, I, I hope that you'll join us. And if if you can't make it in March, then you you we start again in uh, at the University Regents University in London in September. And that's again a nine weekend course, and it's great because it's so practical. It's not focused on on pay, on doing uh, paperwork and homework and all the rest of it. It's all about you implementing things that and trying things out. It's also we also run two, uh, three retreats as part of those nine weekends. You've got six weekends in Bromgrove and three weekends on a fantastic retreat centre in Glastonbury and the North Somerset coast, where you live and breathe this amazing lifestyle. Uh, so you can then get enthused and pass it on, pass that enthusiasm on to your clients. Fantastic! Thank you so much for joining us, John, and um, I look forward to having you in the studio again. We're now going to. Um, have a bit of communards, don't leave me this way, and then we're going to go into an interview with Jackie Fletcher, who is going to tell us all about uh, the ketogenic diet from um, a user perspective, shall we say. So um, I will be seeing you again very soon, John. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I look forward to coming back. <laughs>